Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. Well, it's always a joy to be with you. And uh, let's open our Bible just for a moment. Just going to talk to you for just a moment. It's already 7.30 almost, so I won't be before you long. Let's go to the book of Exodus. And let's go to the 13th chapter of the book of Exodus. I just want to just preach a little prophetically out of my heart to you. It's always fun when I get to come see you and uh, share with just some things I feel like the Lord is saying. I, I honestly don't believe I'll be before you long because I think that um, the Lord's going to say a couple of things to you and then, uh, and then we'll just move with it. You know, sometimes we belabor points because we... We're trying to believe them instead of just taking them and believing them in the moment. And I don't want to belabor anything tonight, but I just do want to share with you what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart. I love coming to talk to you because I feel no pressure to perform or preach for unless I'm asked to sing, which I just was, and so I was very nervous about that. And uh, my fingers have no calluses because I, I literally never play guitar anymore except at my house every once in a while. I don't play in front of people at all anymore uh, with, with an instrument in my hand. I still sing a little bit every once in a while. but um, And so, um, but I don't feel any pressure to ever perform with you, and I feel like last time I was here was a very impactful time uh, for this church and for Jimmy. And, and, and uh, most of the time when I go places, I've, I'm learning, I'm coming to realize that when I go places, most of the time I'm going there for their leaders and, and, and the people that are in attendance sort of get a little bit of, of uh, I don't know, a little overflow from the cup being overflowed, maybe a little, little something in the saucer there. But most of the time I believe I come for leaders and I come for the staff or core people. And every church has core people and then people that are really not their core. And so, but I, tonight I feel something very specific as the Lord began to drop some things in my heart over the last week or so for you. Uh, you know, sometimes when you get in a prophetic flow, you say things and then you, it's not that, um, you say things almost sort of in an out-of-body way. And so when Jimmy called me and said, you know, you prophesied that this would be a power, uh, a specific, like a, 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 a uh, or a special date, uh, my first response in my heart was, I did? Praise God. And uh, so, but uh, as I've just sort of went before the Lord, this narrative here began to continually come before me, and uh, I just want to just just touch on it here. A couple things. Um, again, I said, my, you know, when I love coming here because the, the mode is never to impress or to wow. It's just to sort of say what God said and then and then leave it at that. And uh, uh, I should have got more amens on that. Just say what God said and leave it at that. You know, most 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 of churches in our day would not hire Jesus for any itinerant ministry. Because Jesus would show up in a city and literally stand up and say one sentence and then sit down. Preachers do the opposite. They hear one sentence and then craft a sermon for an hour around really only one thing that God said. And the other 40 minutes is stuff they want to say about what God said. And so the older I get, I think I'm becoming more, want to be more that guy just stands and goes, this is what God said, take it or leave it, it doesn't matter, I'm rich, I got a beautiful wife, I'm going home anyway. If you, if you receive it, praise God, if you don't, praise God, hallelujah. I don't need anybody's money, I'm out, praise God. This is what God said, if you can hear it, praise God, if you can't, praise God. So, I mean, it just, it makes life real simple. It makes life, it makes life real simple, man. 
you know, and just go, this is what God said. If you can receive it, sweet. If you can't, sweet. I'm leaving. All right. So we're going to have a little fun tonight, but let's go to Acts, I mean, I'm sorry, Exodus 13, and let's go to verse number 17. We're going to read a lot of scripture. I'm in the New King James. If there's, if you're going to put, if you are going to put scriptures up, and I'm going to read a lot, even through chapter 14, so we'll read a lot of scripture tonight, possibly as we do this, and um, um, I have some notes, just a couple notes written down. If I get to them, cool. If I don't, cool. Lately, when I go places, I'll have 20 pages of notes and never even open the binder and just talk to people, so I, I, I have a little more fun that way, so grateful, grateful you're here tonight. Then it came to pass, verse 17. When Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, or by the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, lest perhaps people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. If there was a title on what I'm going to talk to you tonight, again, and we're just flowing here tonight a little bit. If there was a title on what I would talk to you tonight about, it would be the trauma of transition. And there would be a subtitle that would almost say, and a new dimension of faith. The trauma of transition and a new dimension of faith. Transition is hard. I said transition is hard. Can, who, sound, Mr. Soundman, can you bump me just a little bit, Bubba? Thank you, sir. Transition is hard. Change is hard. There is, there is nothing solid in life except the reality that there will be change. Families change. Lives change. People you loved yesterday, frankly, are not on earth today. People you cared about in another time when you were 17 and you felt like you couldn't live without those friends, you hadn't spoke to them in 30 years. Because change is inevitable. Transition is inevitable. Every person goes through it. But there's, there is a built-in trauma in transition. And uh, it's very difficult to walk through, but it's demanded that we walk through things that we don't like to go through because it builds a level of character in us another season of time. But let's just keep on reading. Let's start again in verse number 17. So if there was a title, I don't title things a lot. Um, um, yeah, because it, I, I, I just don't title things a lot because I don't view sermons as a product. For you to just view, we're just talking tonight. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their mind. We're immediately talking about transition from the very first verse of this narrative. We're talking about a people coming out of one thing. And God understands the, uh, I don't want to use this word because I don't want to, uh, um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying this about everyone, but there is a fragility at times of heart in the middle of transition, in the middle of change. There's a, there's a fragility of mind and spirit where your normal is being interrupted and a new thing is coming upon you that there is a tenderness then that many times God will deal with you with because he understands that you and I are just dust. And he's looking at his people, even in the first little verse of this narrative, and he understands something. He says, they're going through change that they could have never imagined. Now, again, you have to put yourself in this position of the, of the people of God in this narrative. 
when the people of God went into Egypt, they were a family of about 70. They were not a nation. They were a nation, but they were not a nation. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. They were a nation, but they were not yet a nation. And they're going into Egyptian land. And even Joseph tells his boys, he says, boys, make me a promise. He says, one day the Lord's going to visit you, and you're going to go into the land that was promised to our fathers because God's prophecy is always multi-generational. We live many times so disappointed in our own lives because we believe what God spoke to us stops with us when in reality God does not just speak to us, He speaks through us. When God speaks to me, whether my son knows it or not, he's talking to my son. And there are many times where there just needs to be a womb of faith for a promise to percolate, but it will not be manifested by the person in whom the promise is given. Okay, so, so we immediately find these people. There, what you have to understand is who these people are and what is going on. They... They begin this Exodus narrative as a family of 70 people, just sons, sons of Israel, a man. And they enter in, and then on the narrative where we are now catching them, we're talking about hundreds of years of time in between that space. So now, where we read now in the 13th chapter of Exodus, we're reading hundreds of years beyond the beginning of Exodus. So we're talking about multiple generations now of offspring are the ones coming out when they were not the ones who went in. Okay. So they're coming out, but they did not go in. So what you're dealing with here is you're dealing with many of these people here in this narrative um, they don't know anything but Egypt. That's all they know. It's not, it's not, it's not simply, um, it's not in their minds God is calling them, and some of them are just listening to their parents. You know, we're talking about, we got, we got men, and women. we're talking about real people here in this narrative, y'all. We're not talking about a Bible story on a flannel graph. We're talking about real people. Dads and moms and sons and daughters and teenagers. Hallelujah. 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 I got one that just turned 12. Almost there. I'm surprised I don't see any Stanley Cups here tonight. Oh, sissy with a smirk. Oh, my God. Okay, never mind. Sorry about that, sis. But... uh, we're dealing with all kinds of people in this narrative. Sons, daughters, cousins, aunts, uncles. Uncle Eddie from Christmas vacation, he's there. He's there. He's bringing the RV in. And his dog snots. He's bringing it in. He's draining the, draining the RV in the, in the sewer at the house. And so you've got families here. You've got, you got a lot of stuff happening here in this narrative talking about real people here but we're talking about real people that if that are hearing something happening you got to put yourself in their mindset they were they were in Egypt and life was difficult but it was home but it was home 
they, they grew up there. They were born there. Most of these people were born there. They grew up there. Their mom and daddy was there. Their aunt and uncle were there. Their family was there. And although life was difficult, it was home. Although, although there were moments where Pharaoh would then make life even more difficult, but it was still home. I, there's, a, there's an affinity to home that is fascinating. There's a natural inclination in the heart. I've, I've learned something about people, and you already know this. I'm sure this is preachers love to say this, but um, you know it. But there, there's a natural affinity to what people know. It, it doesn't matter many times if you offer people better. They don't want better. They want what they know. Because what they know is safe. What they know is comfortable. What they know is normal. See, I, I've, in, my, in my years of ministering to people and helping people, I'm amazed that um, um, people, uh, look at you with this Gulf Shore shirt on. Come on. Wow, that's in Alabama. Um, I'm amazed when you when you start dealing with people. People are blinded in their own lives because they don't see their lives as dysfunctional. They see their lives as normal. Because it's what they've known. So, so when many times people get offended when an outside voice, and I don't mean a preacher, I mean it can be anybody. You'll see this in small southern towns. You'll see it in movies when somebody from the big city comes. And they're trying to say, y'all's food ain't no good here. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, your mama's cornbread ain't that good. It really ain't. It's not that good. It's just what you know. And your palate is conditioned to what you've eaten. Okay. And, and you see this all the time, but, there's, but there's, a, there's, a, there's an affinity in the hearts of people for home, for, for, for your mama's house and your daddy's house. And, and, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's a beauty in that. In all, in all honesty, in many cases, there's a beauty in that. When it's healthy and right, there is, a, there is a beauty in that. But many times, people do not realize that their lives are dysfunctional because dysfunctional to them is their normal. And so they are offended at you when you point out dysfunction because they don't view... I'm, I'm, I'm sort of teaching you, I'm, I'm giving you a ministry school teaching right here. When you point out someone's dysfunction, you have to understand why they get offended at that. They get offended at that because you're t it feels personal to them. You're attacking their life. Even if your heart is not in it to be demeaning, and you're trying to pull them up out of something, the reason people get offended over that is because you're telling me my family is jacked up? And you have to go, yes. But, but that's all they've ever known. They don't. You know. This is a, this is a crazy story. I don't I wonder if I should tell this because it's sort of funny. But but my wife is, is very clean. My wife is very clean. 
And, uh, you know, my, my kids have friends. And uh, my youngest son's six, and so, you know, love the little six-year-old kids will come over to our house or whatever. And if my wife sees them little six-year-old toes running around our house and those nails ain't been clipped in about three months, y'all know what I'm talking about, do you? My wife or whoever, if it's little Johnny, she says, little Johnny, get in here. If your mama ain't going to make you clean, I'm going to make you clean while you're at my house for, th- for, for the next three and a half hours. My wife was like, get in there in that bathtub, soak them in it, and I'm going to cut all your nails, and I'm going to, and my, kids go home cleaner from my house than what they live in in their house. <laughs> my wife, my wife, and it could be she don't want to get cut by one of them nails on a roundhouse kick or something, one of them kids, you know, at, at the pool or whatever. But, but those kids don't know any better because it's their normal. It's totally dysfunctional to not put some clippers on those nails for three months. Totally unacceptable. Totally society. Some of y'all are getting convicted in here. I can feel it. I feel it in the atmosphere. I feel a fence rising up right now. Just clip them and don't get offended. Just clip them and don't get offended by God. Hallelujah. It ain't going to hurt you. My God, there's people that forget. You can pay people to do it, by God, if you want to. <laughs> I love talking to y'all. We're just family. And uh, because it's just normal to them. And you you got people here. You got people here in Exodus 13. They're, they're, they're being asked by this guy who showed up on the scene, Moses, you know. He shows up. He lived in Pharaoh's house. You know, he rich little boy from the king's house. You know, he rich. You know. I, I used to think my wife now married when uh, when she was young. She was sort of, we used to think she was rich. She had a beautiful little house. Her family had a beautiful little house. But uh, oh, 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 Moses shows up, you know, and he, he grew up, you know, he's Pharaoh's boy. And then he then he makes this crazy decision. He finds out he's a Hebrew. And he's going he gonna to be with the people of God and and, and give up that life and all this kind of stuff. And then he shows up on the scene, and then they're not ready to receive him. And then he murders a guy and then buries him in sand. <laughs> I meet with people all the time, you know, and I counsel people. I tell them before we start, you know, marriages are normal people. Life. Y'all, you you know, maybe you do know, but uh, the things a man hears in counseling sessions is, is, is fascinating. And they're so extreme now, I just tell people every time I meet with them, I go, listen, I go, here's the deal. This is a no-shame zone. You say whatever you want to say. But nothing you say is going to shock me. Nothing. Unless you tell me you've murdered someone and you've buried them behind your home. Now, if you tell me that, I'm going to be shocked. But literally anything less than that in the sin category, I've heard it, baby. I've heard it. I've heard it all. <laughs> These people, these people are dealing, they're, they're, they're watching this guy, and this guy comes, and he shows up, and he goes, God sent me, how, how do you know, you can't hardly talk, your brother's got to talk for you, you're a little insecure, you got this rod, you throw it down, or Aaron's rod throws it down, it becomes a snake, it's a little weird, it's a little weird, and, and now you're telling, you're going to come out, you're telling people, you, God has heard the cry of our people, that we want to come out of where we were, out of bondage, but you're dealing with people that in their minds, they're not leaving bondage. They're leaving home. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
They're leaving home. They're, they're not. See, we have this narrative that all of them wanted to go out. Because they all, but, but when you only know what you know, you do not realize how much better it could be. And telling people sometimes in their normal how much better it could be is futile. Their mindset or they cannot understand it, they cannot see it. They don't have the faith for it. They don't have the capacity for it. That's why I pray over my kids almost every night now. I pray over all three of my children the prayer of Jabez. Lord, bless my children. Increase their capacity. May your hand be upon them and may may they not cause pain. I pray those four things over my children almost every day. Would you bless them? Would you increase their capacity? Their mind, their thinking, their knowledge, their ability to take on things, revelations of God, and natural things, how to wash their rear end. Hallelujah. Uh, and, and then, and then would, would your hand be upon them, and would you, would you make sure they do not cause pain? Because I want their capacity to be able to understand things. When transition comes, I want it to be as least traumatic as possible. Because it will come. It will come. It will come. Even if, even if it means we're all going, if Jesus don't come, Papa, we're all going by way of the grave. Transition is coming for all of us in some form or another. In this, in this narrative, you have people coming out of what they know. They, this, is, this is home to them. Egypt is not just bondage. Egypt is home. And initially, it was a womb where God protected his people. And initially it was a wound where God sent his people. Because sometimes what God sent you to can become too small for you. And God used it in a season to develop you. And God used it in a moment to build you. Because the scripture said they went it as 70. But they increased and multiplied. To the point that even the Egyptians would gather together privately and say to one another, we have to be careful with these people, with this God in a box. Because they're becoming too numerous. They're becoming too prosperous in mind. They're becoming too, uh, they're increasing in ways and multiplying in ways that if we don't make life harder for them, they will realize the power they have. They will realize the power they have and they will escape our grasp. We're just not talking about Egypt in the Bible. We have Egypts today. Families, cities, churches, people, relationships. Egypts where it's what you know. It's what you know But what you know could be the very thing that is stunting your expansion. Because there was a moment where God said, they're actually too big to stay where they are. Oh, hallelujah. I feel myself talking to somebody tonight. We just talking tonight. We're not going to preach. but I feel myself talking to somebody tonight. 
What is inside becomes too big for what is around. And God says, I've heard the cries of my people. And I'm going to send them a deliverer. And he can't talk, and I'm going to, he's going to ask me, how are they going to know I'm, I'm from you? And I'm going to have to say, I am that I am. And he's saying, what? I can't speak. My brother's going to have to talk for me. But now we see them on this side. And they're, they're making this journey now. And God understands the fragility of people. I'm just going to talk what I feel like God told me to say. And those that have ears to hear will hear, and I'm not going to explain anything. The fragility of people leaving home. And the Lord and the Lord says, I cannot take them that direction. Because if I take them that direction, they are too tender in this moment to have to fight again. They're too fragile. Not that they're fragile people. But, but having a fight in you is more than just hands. It's in your spirit. You, you have to have, oh, hallelujah. You, you have to have the emotional and mental and spiritual health and strength to push something through. And these people are not there. They're literally, everything about their life is changing. And they're following a guy from their safe but bound lives into the desert. Yeah. There was another guy who did that not too long ago. And then those people drank Kool-Aid and they all died. Okay. This is not, this is not a smart thing to do. You know what I'm saying? This guy showed up. Y'all heard this guy Moses. He showed up. He used to be the king. And then he had this some, some type of conversion experience. And now he's telling everybody, him and his brother, you know, I think all they want is money. I just think they all, I think they just want money. So they just want money. They're grifters. You know, preachers, grifters. You know, they come and they're going to take us out of here, you know, out of this bondage. God's heard our cries or whatever. They're going to leave. Where are we going? We're just going out here. In the de- where, where are we going? Where are we going? Because it's hard, but I got a house right here. It's hard, but I got a paycheck right here. It's hard, but I have food right here. It's hard, it's hard, but I have, it's hard. And no, this is not what I dreamed about. I feel the Holy Ghost on me. This is not what I dreamed about, but it's safe. And it's what I know, and it's what I've known, and it's what I believe, and it's, and it's where my family's at, and it's where my mama's at, and it's where my ki- grandkids are, and it's where all this stuff, all this stuff. And God says, I have something for you. And here they come, and the scripture says, he says, he says, I, I, I'm not, I can't let them go because they're leaving everything they know. So God, verse number 18, led the people around. Lord, I'm through one verse. I've been talking to you for like 30 minutes. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness. See, see he, he's actually protecting their heart by leading them into wilderness. Because if he leads them through city, they have to fight. And they don't have the strength to fight because their hearts are destroyed because they had to leave home. They, they just don't have it in them right now. They don't, they don't have it in them right now. It's okay. There's no shame in that. That's, that's natural. I remember, I remember when, um, uh, maybe I'll tell that story later, but, but they just don't have it in them right now. So God leads them around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea 
And the children of Israel, they go up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. We're talking about over a million people now. I mean, we're talking about, we went from 70 to, to an innumerable amount of people now. We're talking about a nation. A family, to hundreds years of later, a nation now is coming out, and they're being led by this one guy with a stick who can't talk. I mean, come on. Come on. You know what I'm saying? He, he stutters and he can't talk. But his brother can, so he's got to whisper to his brother, and then his brother says stuff. It's just it's a whole weird situation. I mean, this is just awkward, right? Okay. And Moses, verse number 19, takes the bones of Joseph. I love the covenant that he had with, with a father in the faith. He takes the bones of Joseph with him. Oh, hallelujah. Because he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you. This is what Joseph said to his sons, and you will carry up my bones from here with you. When you come up out of this land, although you think it's home, I was here before you went in, Joseph says. And I'm going to go with you when you go out, even if it's just my bones that you're holding. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord, hallelujah, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away. You ought to say yes to that. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day to shield them from the blinding sun or the pillar of fire by night that they could see even when they felt like it was dark in the wilderness. They could see God protected and provided vision for them even when it looked like they didn't know where they were going. I don't know about you, but even when it felt like I didn't know where I was going, there was enough light for me to take the next, the next step. Oh, hallelujah. Now the Lord, verse 14, verse 1, yeah. Now the Lord speaks to Moses saying, I want you to speak to the children of Israel. Here comes an instruction. Here comes an instruction. I've learned that miracles most of the time are on the other side of an instruction. Go make me a cake. I don't, I don't have anything to make you a cake. I only have just enough for my son and we're going to die. That's good. Make me one first. An instruction and a miracle comes on the other side. Go dip in that pool seven times. Are there not waters in Parthar, brother, better than these? Just go do what I said. So God now comes and gives an instruction. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi Heroth. I don't know how to say that, so we're just going to go with that. Sounds like a dish I order at a Thai restaurant. I'll take the pie heroth, three spices. Three spices. Three spices. <laughs> and I want them to camp there by Migdal and the sea opposite of Belzephon, and you shall camp before it by the sea. So God tells them to come out and then tells them to stop. Instruction. And he tells him, I want you to camp right here. I want you to set up camp right here uh, because I want to do something. And whether you know it or not, I want to do something. And whether you want it, whether you know it or not, I'm doing something. I remember, tell this little story, then I'll leave you alone. I remember years and years ago, I was probably 20, I was probably 28 or 29. 
And I wanted, I may have told this story to you before, but it so marked my life that it, 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 um, it, it's changed the way I do uh, life in a lot of ways. But I was, I was about 28 or 29, and I had some credit card debt in my life. When I was a college student in my 20s, early 20s, I was an idiot. You can laugh. Or you can say, me too. You can join a brother. Come on. Don't let me hang out here on myself. And when I was in my church, I was an idiot. I was not taught financial literacy. I was, I was never taught how to shave. Every, everything I knew about my life, although I grew up in a good family in, in most of the sense, I, I sort of pretty much taught myself. And so uh, at 28 or 29, I, t- I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I have about eh, around $8,000, $7,500 worth of credit card debt. I was a college student. I got out of the will of God. And when I got out of the will of God, my provision dried up. And, and I had to, had to do, try to make things work by the work of my own hands. And um, so I had about $7,500 worth of debt, I think it was. And I told the Lord in prayer one morning. I was, I was unmarried. I was single. Um, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to get out of this debt. And the Lord was interesting because he, he never told me to go to that TV preacher's meeting and then give a bunch of money and then just hope for a check in the mail. He didn't tell me that. I thought that would get a laugh, but maybe not. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm just trying to have fun with it. Do you hear me? Okay. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to get out of this debt. I want to, I want to, I, I, I got to get out of this debt. I, I, I just believe, y'all have to forgive me, I just believe Scripture. So scripture says for me to owe no man anything but to love him. So I, I don't just read over that and go, that's not realistic. Well, I feel offense coming again. I don't just read over those things, you know. Even when it says love your enemies, I don't just read over that and go, that's, that don't mean me. So when the Lord says you're not intended to owe any man anything except to love him, I don't read over that and just go, that's just not normal life. Or I don't read over it and go, but I deserve better even though I don't make enough money to have the things I want. And I've been conditioned by the world to be discontented. And so I go into crazy debt to have things so I can feel content. And even when I get them, I'm still not content. And then I still blame God. As the book of Proverbs says, a fool perverts his own way and then blames God for it. And so I, um, I began to ask the Lord, I, I have to get out of this debt. And the, Lord, the first thing the Lord showed me is I had, I had a phone in my hand, an iPhone at the time. And the Lord told me, he said, do you see that iPhone you have? I said, yes, sir. He goes, do you really need that? I said, no. Not really, I want it. He tells me, he says, I want you to go to the little AT&T store and, uh, in town. And I want you to, you have an upgrade, and I want you to use that upgrade to get the cheapest phone they sell with the cheapest plan they have, and you will discipline yourself to stay under the minutes, under the text messages. And I just said, okay. I asked God to get me out of debt, and God gave me an instruction completely disassociated, what at least I thought, with that situation. So I say, I say, okay, so I go, y- y'all love this. I go to a little AT&T store in town. I live in a little country town at the time. And I walk in there and they go, yeah, how can I help you, man? I go, yeah, yeah, I say, I got this phone. 
really nice little iPhone. I said, I'm going I w- I to I wanna use my upgrade, and I want to get this phone. <laughs> and this brother, this brother looks at me. He, he literally cocks his head. He goes, you, you want, you want, hold on. You're trading in this phone, and you jump ready to get this phone? I said, yes, and I want to get the cheapest plan possible, and I want to, um, do, and he said, he said, okay, he said, are you sure? Are you sure? Because we have a new model of iPhone coming out soon, and you can use that. Sure. And he just kept badgering me about it. And I finally just said, I said, hey, I said, hey, man, hey, man, it's for religious reasons. That's just what I said. Before God, before God, I looked at him and said, hey, man, it's just for religious reasons. And he went, he, he went, he went, oh, okay, 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 no problem, no problem, no problem, no problem. No problem. So, so, I gave them, <laughs> so I gave them my iPhone and I got this little, I don't know, this thing that felt like it come from my kid's toy box now, you know. And I just obeyed God. And guess what? Nothing happened. No, 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 listen to me. Nothing happened. And then about two, three months later, I'm sitting in my house with that crappy phone. <laughs> and I'm asking the Lord, I, w- I want to get out of debt, Lord. I-, I really feel like I'm supposed to, this is, and I want to I do it. I, don't have, I can't cut a check at this point for that amount, and I, I really want to do it. And the Lord says, you see that TV you have? I said, yes. He said, um, how much do you pay? At the time, I lived in a little town, so cable was funky, so I had direct TV. He said, how much do you pay for direct TV every month? I said, well, I said, I pay like $125 a month for direct TV. He said, do you need that? I said, no. He, and, then he, and then the Holy Spirit showed me, he said, he, said, he said, I know you don't need it because you watch that more than you talk to me. I'm just talking to me about what God did. The Lord said, you watch that when you talk to me. He said, I want you to call the company. I want you to call the company. I want you to cancel your subscription to DirecTV. I said, okay, here we go again. Because I'd had DirecTV about four months. And at that time, you did it like in a two-year thing. So I call them. Here we go again. I want to cancel my subscription to DirecTV. Sir, you just got it. Badger, 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 badger. Sir, it's going to be, and I even, I even told the Lord this when I was praying before. I said, Lord, they're going to make me pay this, to me, $300. At that time, it was a lot of money. Um, you know, and so, so I was like, they're going to make me pay this enormous get out of fee. Are y'all here? We're just having fun, right? Okay. This enormous fee to get out of this contract, and I don't want to pay that. And he said, and, and the Lord was very stern with me. He said, I'm asking you to do this. So, so. So then I call them, and then they're badgering me, and I say, I will pay the money. I'll just pay the $350 or whatever to get out of the contract. So I get out of the contract. And then once I get out of the contract, I, I don't have a TV to look at. Now I find myself weirdly sitting on the front porch of the little apartment I had with my Bible. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? It was weird. It was weird. I quit watching so much television. I know this sounds old school to some of y'all. You'll get over it. I quit watching so much of it, and then I would spend my time more. I'd go out in the little plastic chairs I'd bought from Walmart. I'm just single. I'm just a little trying to make it guy. You know what I mean? And 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 uh, on this little, and I would sit, and I was looking across from my apartment was the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I pray you're hearing the sarcasm in my voice. 
beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pair of single wide trailers I'd ever seen. I would just gaze upon the beauty of those single wide trailers and then gaze upon God's word. And, you know, they say if you visualize your future, you can. There's no shame in what I'm talking about. I know many people that still do live it. That's not what I'm saying. My point is these were not. They need a little help. Let's put it that way. Okay. And so I, I would sit out there. And then for about the next year and a half, every few weeks or month, God would give me a little instruction like this. Or he'd say, hand that person $50. At that point, $50 was a big deal to me, man. $50 is a big deal. I'm going, Lord, $50. I'm going, I need to get out of it. He goes, and then there would be another instruction. Or do this. Handle this this way. And for a year and a half, I obeyed instructions that had nothing to do with what I prayed about. And then I got a call one day to go to this thing, and they wanted me to come minister at it. And at that point, you know, you go to church, you know, if y'all ain't never went to churches to minister, hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, you know, you, you, you know, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> so let, let me just say it like this. Their, their generosity is, generosity fluctuates. It vacillates. Look it up. It's a word. Um, so, <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. Um, so I go to this, and it's in a tiny town. I mean like. There's like 400 people in this whole town. And they did this big thing. They set up this big tent, and the event is horrible. Is that okay to say? I mean, these people are trying, but it's just really bad. It's just, God's not moving. It's awful, and you know, and they're trying, and oh, hallelujah. And I love their hearts, but you just want to tell them, hey, hey, let's don't do another one of these. <laughs> so I leave. I leave. I, my time is up ministering there. And I get handed two checks. I'm a young man. And I open those checks later. I don't open them directly in front of those people. I get to my room or whatever afterwards, and I open those checks. And those two checks paid off every ounce of debt I had. And the Holy Spirit told me, if you'll obey little instruction, I'll bring big blessing. And what God was doing is he was testing me. And he was saying, if you're not willing to give up that phone and spend time with me and give up that TV and spend time with me, I'm not taking, he was fixing something about the way I viewed and dealt with money on the inside. Anyway, that, this is way off topic, but okay, okay. Praise God. And so, so, so God gives an instruction here. I want you to camp right here. It's what he tells people in the, in the beginning of chapter number 14. I want you to camp right here, and they, they don't know why they're just doing it. 
But God has something behind the scenes that he's working for their good. Oh, hallelujah. And so he tells him, I want you to camp because what you don't realize is I'm going to let what you thought you escaped catch back up with you. Anybody ever thought that anger issue in you was totally done? It was totally done. And in fact, you've had a good few months. Hallelujah. I'm in peace, Brother Mike. Until, until that one moment that that guy does that one thing and there comes another person up out of the inside of you and you go, wait a minute. I thought God dealt with that when I went through that prayer line 87 times. And I got anointed with oil so much I could literally fry chicken on my forehead. You know what I'm saying? I thought God dealt with all that. You know, you know what I mean? You know, I thought that thing was over. Woo! I'm on the other side of it. Hallelujah. I'm on the other side, praise God. Delivered. And God actually instructs them, listen to me, to stop their progress because there was not a conclusion to what they had come out of. I'm telling you to stop your progress because there's not yet a conclusion to what I'm bringing you out of. And you're out of it, but the fear of it is not out of you. And he tells him, I want you to stop right here. You're going to camp right here. And he says, I'm doing this whether you know it or not. You don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm working like a beautiful chess player behind the scenes. I'm making moves you do not see. I'm moving things into position that you do not know. I'm moving things into places that you cannot understand. And I'm asking you to obey an instruction that looks like progress is stopping. In order that I may finalize, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. In order that I may finalize something on the inside of you. I'm I'm preparing you for the land I ultimately have for you. Oh, but I got to stop your progress now. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I got to stop your progress now and have you camp in a place you do not know. You've left home, oh God. You don't know where you're going. And God says, now stop right here for a little while. Because you, oh hallelujah, you cannot run from things that reside on the inside. And although they had naturally left Egypt, you've heard this said a million times, but Egypt was still in them. And so they camp, and God says, look at what God says. Am I helping anybody tonight? We just talking and having fun. I want you to camp at Migdal in the sea, verse number 2, opposite of Baal-Ziphon. You shall camp before it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say, I'm having you do something in obedience that you don't understand because I'm actually setting up an enemy. 
when you stop your progress, I'm not actually doing anything for you, it's seemingly. I'm giving you an instruction, and there's, Bryn, get rid of the phone. Three weeks later, nothing happens. I don't get no check in the mail. A year and a half, two years later. But I had to obey the instruction when he gave it. Oh, hallelujah. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. They've, they've left home. They don't know what to do without home. They don't know what to do without the safety of home. They don't know what to do without the safety of home, even though it's dysfunctional and it's bondage. And I made their parents work till their, their hands to the bone. And they've only known one type of life. And they've only known one type of situation. And although they, it was terrible for them, they couldn't even feel it. Because geographically, many times, had, oh, I'm telling you, sometimes you can get delivered by actually changing geographical location. Sometimes you got to stop praying for stuff to change some places. I'm, I'm not talking to, I'm, talk, I'm talking to only those, I, I'm, I'm not going to explain what I'm saying a lot tonight. I love when people sometimes, anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm going to leave that alone. Anyway. Okay, okay. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them and the unknown is suffocating them. I'm going to say that again. The unknown is suffocating them. They've left home, and the unknown is suffocating them. At least that's what their enemy thinks. And God is positioning this to be this way. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that the thing they escape from will start pursuing them again. Again, you know, I thought that anger issue was dealt with until... Where'd that come from? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever, everybody, anybody ever been in a situation and you go, where'd that come from? You know, you're dealing in a relationship and it's not real, it's, 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 but, but God's really done a work in your heart. You thought, you really thought you'd gotten to that place of forgiveness and then they say that one word, that one thing to you. Just me, 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 just me. And, and, and you, when they say that one thing to you, just you, you, instinctual, you just you, you do you go like that, and you go oh shakanda da bahai, and they thought you quickened. You see, they thought you quickened by the Holy, but really there was a, there was a movement, there was a there was a lifting of the hand and a swaying of the hand in this direction, but, 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 but because because you you thought that thing was dealt with, but really that thing you camped somewhere that God could. I will, Pharaoh, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, excuse me, so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army, that even their enemies will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh, I'm almost done, and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this? Why did we let Israel go from serving us? Why, why did we let them leave? This, their home. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. They're leaving home. They're following the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. And he overtook them camping by the sea beside where they were. 
And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. What had disappeared had reappeared. What they had left had returned. And they lifted their eyes and behold the Egyptians marched after them. And they are very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. We're going to talk a little bit here. and I'm going to, I'm going to, leave, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to pray for you and leave you alone. And I ain't singing no more. Hallelujah. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cry out to the Lord, and then they say to Moses, Are you here? Say yes. What time is it? Okay, i got to hurry. i got to hurry. They say to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us Why did we leave home, Moses? Why did we leave what we knew? Why did we leave the security of what we had? It wasn't no good. We were slaves. It wasn't no good, but it was safe. It was constant. It was consistent. I could get up every morning knowing what I was going to face. I've learned people love dysfunction. Because they know it's coming because that's all they've ever lived in. Some people cannot handle goodness and blessing. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't don't know how to function in it because they... Oh, hallelujah. So, they go, is this not what we told you? Verse number 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt? Moses, we told you this. When you told us you were going to take us from our home and you were going to lead us out because God had anointed you and led you to do this and we're going out, we told you this kind of stuff would happen. Hallelujah. We told you, for it would have been better. It would have been better. Listen to this language. For us to serve the Egyptians, it would have been better for us to live at home safe and secure and in bondage rather than to go after the freedom God has for us, but there be risk involved. I would rather, I'm telling you, I know people are funny, man. People are funny. Jimmy was talking to me today. Jimmy was talking to me today a little bit, a little bit how, how when he moved the church here from Mantua to Streetsboro, and that, that, that's literally like three minutes from here, and there were people in Mantua going, we cannot make the drive all the way. <laughs> he, told, he told me that today. I'm like, I can see streets boy from Mantua. What are y'all talking about? People go, Jimmy, Jimmy, we love you, man. We, we really appreciate what God's doing through you. But... <laughs> that extra three and a half miles. I just cannot do that kind of damage to my vehicle. Especially in the winter, I'm, you know, the salt, the, the, you know, you know, Nancy's van is already having trouble. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we, we cannot do that. Why? Why? What causes people to do that? Because they don't want better. They want what they know. They want normal. 
Nick Saban, who I don't like, who just retired. I'm not an Alabama fan. I'm not from Alabama. Are you a Bama fan? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm not a Bama fan, but but he, he made a statement one time that was really good. He said, high achievers don't like mediocre people, and mediocre people don't like high achievers, period. It's two different. They don't, they don't match together. And so these people, are, these people are complaining now. They're crying out to God, number one, and then they're murmuring against their leader. And they're going, why? We told you. We told you. And then, they're, and then I, this is my own take because I've been around church life long enough. Then, then they're talking to each other at their kitchen table. Somebody's going, see, I told you he didn't know where he was going. Nancy, I told you he didn't know. I, I told you. Now, we followed this guy, and I told you he didn't know he was going. I told you. He was unsure. I told you, I told you this kind of stuff would happen. I told you things wouldn't work out. I told you this. I told you this. I told you this. I told you. And God's in all of it. God's in the exit. God's in the stopping of the progress. God's in the fact that it looks like they're about to be defeated. God's in all of it. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. God's in, God's in all of it. God's in all of it. God's, God's in the exit from what they know. God's in the stopping from where they were. They're not even where they're supposed to be yet. God's in the stopping. He's in the exit. He's in the surrounding of their enemies. He's in all of it. And the whole time, he's working something behind the scenes. 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 And yet they go, what are you doing? Moses, what are you doing? You should have left us in Egypt. It was bondage, but it was better than your better. But see, there I didn't have to think, Moses. There I didn't have to trust. Because they provided the bricks for me. They told me where to go to work. They told me what to do. You work here today, here's your, here's your bricks, here's your, here's your mortar, here's it. this is what you're doing today. No thought, they could die inside and just keep on going about life. They could just die inside and just keep on doing it over and over and over again. There, there was nothing required of them. They didn't have to dream, they didn't have to trust, they didn't have to think. They didn't even have to come up with their own idea of what they wanted to do. They didn't have to think about what they could What do I want to do after school, after college? After they, they, they had, there was no personal responsibility at all. That's why some people like being slaves rather than sons. They want to be told where to go. They want to be told where to work. They want to be told where to do. They want to go do this, do this, live in this house, do this, go bank at this bank because my mama did go to this. I know that teller and I've known her for 35 years. They don't want to think. They just want life to be easy and normal. Let's move on to the next thing. And they're telling Moses, what are you, what are you doing? And Moses stands up and says, hallelujah, I'm almost done. Y'all okay? I don't want a people that don't want to think. I don't want a people that don't want to trust. I don't want a people that don't have a grapple in them, groping for God. Moses said to the people, I love what Moses says here. This so blesses me. 
I hope I'm just helping you a little bit tonight. We just, we just talk in the night. We family. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. That's what he says. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation. He tells him, he said, the same gate through which the fear came is the same gate through which you will see my salvation come. When they lifted their eyes and saw Pharaoh, their hearts were afraid. And God tells them, you stand right here. You do not fear. And now you will see the salvation of the Lord. Which he will accomplish for you today. Listen how bold this statement is. He doesn't even know what's going to happen. This just bubbles up out of his spirit. He doesn't even... And he says, for the, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you think, you think, Israel, that you escaped it momentarily, but I stopped your progress so that you would escape it eternally. Stop! Going in the direction you're going. Israel, for a moment, because I'm I'm setting something up. See, see, what you don't realize is when the when when life seems the most difficult, it's an announcement of the ending of an enemy. You, no, you didn't hear what I just said. When life seems the most difficult, it's the announcement of the ending of an enemy. When, when somebody says, I've never you know, I, I, when some, someone would say, I've had depression, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit, and, and, but it seems like the last year it's been worse than it's ever been before. Good. That's an announcement. The fact that it's been worse is an announcement. That God is bringing it to a head. He said, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. For the Lord will fight for you. Oh, hallelujah. And he said, and you will shut up. You will stop talking about it. Because your tongue, the book of James says, is like a rudder. You don't understand. Your tongue is a directional force. You actually eat the fruit of your own mouth. Your life is the result of your own tongue. It'll never get better. It always seems like we're going through something. You're just, you, you are literally creating a cycle without you even knowing it. You're just creating it again. You're just, you're just creating it again. You're creating it again. See, see words, see words. See, you have to you have to look at original intent, and you have to look at the initial thing, the initial evidence of a thing. And even in scripture, the initial evidence of words were not language or conversation. They were creation. And God said, Let there be light. The original usage of words were to create, not conversate. So their original, their, their original purpose of words are, is creation. That's <laughs> why so the scripture says the worlds were framed like a framer by the word of God. 
Hallelujah. Some of you are getting convicted. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And he tells him, he said, the Lord's going to fight for you, and you're going to hold your peace because your, your, your perspective of what I'm doing is going to cause you to forfeit the promise. So just, if you don't have my, I, I feel to say, like this, if you don't have my perspective, just shut up. Just shut up. It's safer for you and everybody around you. See, people, you, y'all, people will think complaining is just being real. I'm just being real, man. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just being unbelieving. You're not being real. I'm just being real, man. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not being real. I'm just telling it like it is. No, no. You're telling it like it will be for you. He said, you don't have my perspective on this. So all those verses before here, where you're, you're crying out to God, and then you're complaining, you're talking to me, he said, you got to stop doing all that. you got to stop. you got to be quiet. Because the Lord is going to fight for you. And what you don't understand today in the stopping of your progress, if you can shut up and trust. That's a word for somebody in this room. If you can shut up and trust. I feel to say it like that for some reason. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not, that's not, I, but I feel to say it in that way. If you'll shut up and trust. If you'll stop, if you'll stop having such an opinion on everything. Did you, know, did you know that Jesus actually said, Jesus actually said that for you or I to say in a year we will do this and in six months we will do this, is this what Jesus said it is? It is evil and it is arrogant. See, some of us, don't, we don't really want vision. We want vision so people think we know what we're doing. We don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. We'll say, well, what, what are you doing with your life? And you go, I don't know. That's not a good answer, right, in our culture. Well, I've got this, you know, and I'm going to do this, and then our church is going to build, praise God, and then, you know, my daughter's going here and going to the, and, and, and Jesus said, for you, for you to say, for you to say in six months, in a year, in two years, we're going to do this and this, this, he said, that is evil and arrogant. What you should say is this, if God wants us to do it, we will do it. But we will live every day going, what do you want to do, Lord? I'm helping you tonight. He says, you will see God fight for you and you will hold your peace. And then the Lord says something to Moses. And I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm talking about the trauma of transition and a new dimension of faith. Because we want to cry many times during the trauma of transition. And God says, stop your crying and move forward. It's very simple. This is what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, verse number 15, why do you cry? And if I'm Moses, I'm going, I'm not crying, bro. These people you gave me to lead, they're crying. I'm doing what you told me to do. Hallelujah. The Lord just lumps us all in together, don't he? It just, that makes me mad sometimes, honestly, you know. You know. Used to go to those meetings and people be repenting to Native Americans and stuff. I ain't never, I ain't, 
I don't know if I've ever met a Native American. Why do I got to repent of one? Anyway, that's another time, another story for another time. I can feel a little offense in that too. You'll, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. You love me. Come on, you got to love me. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? He says, you stand up in front of those people who I pulled them out, but I stopped their progress because they didn't realize that the enemy that was they thought they had escaped was still alive. And I'm going to make sure it ends now. I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that. I'm going to now make sure it really does end. I'm going to make sure now it ends. And they, here's, here's what's fascinating. The scripture said when we first started the series, the scripture said they couldn't go because they couldn't see, they couldn't see war, but they did see water. Because God said, I'm going to take you through another baptism. You may not be able to walk through war against the Philistines. I'm going to have to take you around the wilderness, but you can walk through water. And he said, I'm going to, he's, this is what he says. And the Lord said, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to now go forward. Now I have something for you to move toward. And this is what he tells Moses to do because now Moses has an instruction and he has to step out in faith. This is what I'm talking about, the trauma of transition and a new dimension of faith. Because now they have to trust the camp. And stop their progress. But now Moses, as their leader, has to trust to lift. And he says, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm almost. And the Lord said to Moses, what do you cry to him? And this is what he tells Moses. But you, Moses, lift up your rod. You mean that wooden thing? Lift it up. And stretch out your hand over the sea. Listen to what he said. I love this. I love this language. He didn't say, and I will divide it. He said, you lift your rod, you stretch out your hand, and you divide it. Me? The guy who can't speak? The guy who's unsure you even send me? The guy, yeah, you step into a new dimension of faith out of the trauma of transition and find your place again. And you lift up that rod and you say, I'm telling you, they may not believe I know where I'm going. And I may not even know where I'm going, but I know God is with me. Why, why 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 is God asking him to do this? Because he's trying to see, do you trust that when you lift your rod, I will back it up? Because they don't believe in him. The people don't believe in him. He says, Moses, I'm going to see now if you'll step into a new dimension of faith. Even when they can't trust where you're leading them. Will you trust that I'm with you? I want you to lift up that rod. I want you to put your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I heard the Holy Ghost tell me, even, even I felt like this, Jim, I felt like the Holy Ghost told me to just tell you, even when he said, if you'll act, they will follow. I didn't say everybody. But I said, if you'll act in faith, if you'll lift your rod, they will follow. 
I heard the Lord tell me, he said, don't worry about them making it. They'll make it if you'll act. Don't, don't worry. This is just to you, Jim. Don't worry about them making it. I'm not going to explain anything I'm saying. I'm just, don't worry about anybody making it, Jim. They make it when you act. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. I'm almost done, and they shall follow them. My man, uh, will you come up just, just a path? No, no keys, just a little path. On the Nord, on the beautiful red Nord. It's the brand of keyboard. You know you're cool if, you got a, if you're a musician and you got a Nord. Hallelujah. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Oh, praise God. Did you feel that? And they will follow them. The Egyptians will follow them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his armor, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I've gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. I heard the Lord tell me there's a trauma of coming out, but you must go through. You must go through. You must go through. We want to cry, but he's telling us, move. 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 Then the Egyptians will know I'm the Lord. Verse 18, go to verse 19. And when Moses acts, listen to this, listen to this. When the people shut up and Moses acts, and lifts his rod. The scripture says something begins to happen in the heavenly realm. And the angel of God. Who went before the camp of Israel. Moved. He moved. He moved. God moved. When they got quiet. You don't hear what I'm saying. They were stuck where God told them to stop. But when they got quiet and their leader lifted his rod, God moved. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. Because it was never about them being afraid of their enemies again. God, even in this moment, is protecting his people. And he's going, I know that it looks like what you're about to walk through is hard. But I've got your back. I know it looks like what you're about to... I know it looks like the choices you're about to make are hard. But I've got your back. I know it looks like the decisions you'll have to make are hard. I've got your back. And I'm moving my angel and my pillar. Next verse, and, I, and I'm almost done. I'm going to pray for the people. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one. Hallelujah. And it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Next verse. Do I want to keep going? Yeah. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. It's interesting because the Lord told him to divide it. 
But when he stepped out in a new dimension of faith to believe he could, the wind moved in. And then the Lord calls the sea. But I thought he told him to do it. He did tell him to do it. But he said, if you'll step out and do it like I tell you to do it, I will come. Oh, hallelujah. If you'll step out and do it like I'm telling you to do it. I mean, can you, can you imagine on paper watching this guy stand out in front of a I mean, Lake Erie out here with a stick and going. I mean, I mean this, is, this really happened, y'all. That's what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all think this is a Bible story. This was a real man with a real stick with a bunch of people behind him. And God tells him, go out there and stand in front of them like that. Me? Go out there and stand in front of the people. Yeah. Millions of them. Yeah. And and lift your hand up towards the water. Yeah. Yeah. And divide the water. Yeah. 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 I want you to do that. No, build a boat. Okay. It's going to rain. I'm sorry. It's going to what? What is that? It's never rained before. What do you, what do you, I don't even know what the word means. What do you, what, what do you, if you'll go out there and sit and you'll lift that rod up and you'll trust me when nobody believes in you, even the people you lead, and they turn their back on you. Hallelujah. Jim and the city that you poured into turns and tries to destroy. If you'll just lift your rod again. He said, I'll come back behind you. I'll push you through a fresh baptism. I'll push you through a fresh baptism. I'll push you through a fresh baptism. I hear the Lord tell somebody, I didn't bring you out to destroy you. That may be simple, but somebody said, I didn't bring you out of that to destroy you now. I didn't bring you out of that for you to end now. I didn't bring you out of that to leave you hanging here at the camp. I didn't bring you out of that to not go into. I didn't, I didn't bring, but, but be quiet and trust me. a word for somebody in this room. Be quiet. I remember years ago, I went through one of the most difficult times of my life. Leaders that I served went their separate ways. I remember sitting in my shower. I was crying in my shower. I was literally taking a shower, crying like a little girl. But I was. I was so... I just was just hurt by what was happening. I was crying. Lord, what's happening? And I said, Lord, I remember this so distinctly. I could take you to the place, to the apartment, to the bathroom, to the shower. And I remember, I don't know why I even did it, but I remember standing in that shower and taking my finger and putting it over my lips like this. And I said, Lord, I don't know what's happening here, but you put a watch over I stood in that shower and said, Lord, you, you, I don't have your perspective yet. So just let me, help me. Because I know, y'all don't understand, I was most talkative in high school. No, no, 
in the yearbook. Superlative, most talkative, my name. That's not a joke. That's, I'll bring it next time and show you. Okay? Because I said, Lord, because I don't have your perspective, I have to be quiet. Because I will walk through this with integrity and I will gain your perspective. And then I'll be able to step through it into the place of promise for my life. And I will not shortcut what you have for me. Because my mouth is too active. Moses stretches his hand out over the sea. And the Lord calls the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. Oh, I love this. This wasn't wasn't instantaneous. We like to hear this story. And Moses goes, and he goes, whoosh, whoosh. Moses is sitting there like, God Almighty, my arm's getting tired. All night, God is the wind. Listen to this. He's doing it at night. It's dark. Where are we going, Moses? I don't know. I don't know. I just know he told us to stop here. Stop our progress here. Reevaluate. Then I'm going to step into a new dimension of faith and I'm going to lift my rod one more time. And it may not happen instantaneously, but in the darkest night, the wind is moving. In the darkest night, the wind is moving. And layer and foot after foot and fathom after fathom of that water is being moved to the side on the right and the side on the left. And the side on the and the side on the left, and the side on the right, and the side on the left. And it made that sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Next verse, you know, but I'm going to read it anyway. So at night, when they couldn't see, They're stepping into waters they've never known before in the dark. They go into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass because new mercies are there there every morning. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, (laughs) that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. Next verse. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, hey, we got to flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, I want you to stretch out your hand over this sea again that the waters may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. And Moses said in his heart, if he did it before, he'll do it again. If he did it before, he'll do it again. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, oh, hallelujah, sun came up. The sea returned to its full depth and the Egyptians were fleeing while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. And so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The 
the waters return and cover the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. Let's just finish it up. Then the waters, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians by making them stop their progress. Stop your progress, Israel. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus... Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord. And they believed not only in the Lord, but then once and for all they finally could trust the man who was intended to lead them. Father, I thank you for this family. I just feel this word this year for them forward. Forward. As I read this whole narrative, those two words kept moving in my spirit for this company. Go forward. And so, Father, I thank you for this company of people. I thank you for this house then I feel to pray also for the individuals that are in this room. And they're stepping into unknown things, unknown days, an unknown place, unknown people. Now I feel to tell this story. I want you to look at me real quick. There's, I'm not saying any, I'm not going to explain anything. I'm just, this is the story I feel to tell. For somebody, I'm not speaking this to the house. I'm just talking to someone in this room. When my family, I pastored my church for 10 years uh, in North Carolina. I still do. We still have, we still own all the property there. We still have a church there. It's wonderful. Those people are amazing. I fly back there almost once a month to minister to those people and love on those people. And they're phenomenal. And uh, when my apostle called me and asked if I would come help him down in Mobile, um, I had decided I've given my life to the place I was at, my grandfather's church, and legacy, and all of those things. And but I went away to the mountains for two days, prayed alone, and I felt like the Lord told me to go. And so, so as we began to discuss it, my wife and I began to discuss it. There was like one little missing piece. There was one little missing domino in our in our in our story. It was our oldest daughter. Her name's Jocelyn. We, I call her Flossie. And uh, Flossie, at the time, was old enough to begin to have roots where she was, where we were. She, my family, my, I, I create, this is just my own life, I create a very stable life for my wife and children. They, they have gone to one church. They've basically lived in one home. They've basically gone to one school. Uh, we lived in one other home when all of them were before they would even remember the house. And they went to a little, pre but one home, one school, one church. 
we don't, you know. I'm saying this to say, I'm not a flaky person. Okay. So, my daughter had roots, and we had a church there. I mean, I had a, I had a $2 million property there, and 13 acres, and family, and all the things. And my apostle's asking me to come do this. I'm going, I didn't, I don't. And I'm, he's asked me to move to Alabama. Uh, which, no, but I, 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 had, I had lived there once before, and I, it wasn't, I wasn't being weird, but I, 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 um, I didn't, uh, I, I'm trying to, there's honestly, now I actually love living there now. That's what's crazy. I love it now. But, but initially, if you would have told me I would live in Alabama again, I would have said, hey, bro, quit, get off the fentanyl. <laughs> okay. you, 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 hey, listen, what, whatever, it got laced with something. Just don't buy it from that dealer again. Right? If you would have told me I would have lived in Alabama again, I would have said, you are literally insane. So, but the Lord began to work on my heart, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Now I love it. Now, now I'll, I'll wear a South Alabama hat. That's a miracle. 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 And so, but my oldest girl had roots and friends and stuff, and I remember picking her up one day. We had told her we were going to do this, and she did not want to go. And I, I got it. I totally got it. And, and I, I, I remember picking her up from her birthday party one Sunday night, and uh, she was real heavy. She was like 10 years old at the time, real heavy. My wife, my wife is a, is, a, is a beautiful woman of prayer, meek of spirit, the most content person I've ever met. Can eat a $300 steak or Fruit Loops and be totally content. Both ways. Every piece of clothing she has is from the Goodwill or it's from Louis Vuitton, totally content either way. She, she's the most amazing woman I know. Now, I'm sure every wife will say that. I mean, sorry, every husband will say that. But it's true in my heart. It's I've never met any. It's why I want to lavish her with so many good things because she she's so content. She would live with me in a cardboard box, legitimately. And uh, she would pray. She prays for our children a lot. And she, one specific prayer she prays is that. I, listen, I love, I'm glad that I serve the Lord, but frankly, I don't want uh, my children serving their father's God. I do want my children serving the God of their father. Do you hear what I just said? But I don't want them serving their father's God. I want them to know the God of their father. And so my wife will pray, Lord, will you speak to our children? Would you talk to them? I believe God still speaks, yes? Would you speak to our kids? Our babies, I'm almost done, I promise. And um, Jossie had given her life to the Lord at a younger age. But I wasn't sure that there was a, there was a communicative element there. So... We go through this process and we're talking to her and she did, and so I pick her up at this birthday party and she's real heavy in her spirit. She's real heavy in her spirit. And I know it, I can tell it, and I'm just I'm I'm trying to talk to her and I and, and we're talking and you know, she's like, Yeah, 
yeah, Dad, you know, I, and then and she looks at me and she's crying a little bit. She says, I don't want to, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to move. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to leave our normal. And then I'm talking to her and it's just, it's different, but I still, and she's getting a little lighter. You know, she, her, her spirits are perking up a little bit, but I can still, there's still a little peace in there that I'm not, it's fully not out yet. And I, and I just, I'm a dad. I keep crying. And I said, babe, I just, I just don't think that's it. I think there's more that you, that, that, that you're, it's in your heart you want to say. And, it, and at 10 years old, I'm, I'm real careful to tell this story. I think I've told it about five times total now. But I'm real careful to tell it because I never want it to lose its effect on me. And uh, <clears throat> my little girl looked up at me. She was talking with her you know, head down. I'm talking to her. I'm driving. And she looked up at me like this. And I mean like it looked like tears as big as this Gatorade bottle are just coming down her cheeks. And she looks at me and she says, Dad. She's crying. Her voice is breaking up. Little, little chin's trembling. She says, Dad, I don't want you to think I'm weird. She said, but for the last three days, I hear a voice. And the voice says to me, trust me, wherever you go, I will take care of you. When that little girl, <laughs> that little tan skin, brown eyed girl looked at me. I looked at her and I said, Flossie, God has spoken to you. And in the only way Flossie can, she goes, Dad, I love that the music is stopping right here. Perfect timing. She goes, Dad, I know, and I still don't want to go. I said, Dad. <laughs> going, she's just being honest. I love her honesty, Mike. I, love her. I know God has spoken, and I still don't want to go. Well, I mean, there's, you're being honest. There's nothing you can say to that. I mean, right? But from that moment on, I knew it was okay. And tonight, she'll lay in her bed in our house, and behind her bed, up on her wall, right behind her head, are three canvases. This is what the three canvases say. Trust me. Wherever you go, I will take care of you. Because she'll never forget that when God calls her from a comfortable place, He doesn't intend to harm her. In His kindness, He says, come with me. show you things I hear God telling somebody tonight just make the step just make the step just stretch out your rod just, just I know you see him coming behind you you don't get it it's a setup it's all a setup it's all a setup it's all a setup when the moment it looks like the promise is not happening that's when it's most happening the moment it looks like it's 
So, Lord, I've done what you told me to do today. I've done what you told me to do tonight. Yeah, thank you. I feel the anointing now. Now I'm asking you, Holy Ghost. I've done what you've asked me to do. Now I ask you to do what only you can do. I'm asking you, Lord, to give your people. Listen, for some of you, this is just a step in your life. This is not what, don't, don't, don't take anything that I'm saying for what it's not. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Somebody needs to take a step. Out of what you know. And into the perfect will of God. So, Father, just close your eyes. I don't even want you to raise your hands. You just sit there. Some of you, the Lord is touching some of you. Hallelujah. 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 Jim, on your 45th birthday, I just tell you, go forward. Whatever that means. I don't even know what any of that means. Just go forward. Just move. Keep going forward. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For somebody in here, that's relationships. You, you, You know. You know. You know that it's time to step out. You know, you know, it's what you know, it's your normal, it's what you've always known, but you know, you know God's telling you, you know it, you feel it while I'm talking, you feel it in your chest, you feel it in your hands, it's not emotion, it's the Spirit of God, and you know it, and you know it, I don't even feel to give an altar call, this is some, this is, this is a decision you have to make, this is not an emotional thing where something magical is going to happen to you if you come to the altar tonight. No, you're going to make a decision. I'm following God. I'm following God. I'm going to say it the way I feel it. Some of you, you're going to have to set up fresh boundaries with some of your blood family. It doesn't mean you cut people. Hear what I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying. hear what I'm not saying but you know what it's like to see that phone number pop on your phone and it's like a trigger to you every time and anxiety and fear and hits you every time you see that number pop up why why it's time to say no enough is enough some people think I'm mean regarding these things. No, I just value the kingdom more because Jesus said the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the host, and it resides in me. People think you're difficult with people. I'm not difficult with people. I just honor the kingdom on the inside more than their toxic lifestyle. Amen. Somebody in here, you may be visiting tonight. You may be visiting tonight, and it is geographical for you. God is saying, go forward. You need to connect to a house, a people, or whatever it could be. I don't, you, whatever it may be, you, you have to be somewhere where God is moving. 
For somebody, it could be in business tonight. It's what you know. It's what I've always known. God said, no, I've got something more for you. I've got something more for you. You've got to step out. You've, You've got to move forward. And I may pause your progress to make sure all the things, I feel like the Lord's going to do somebody with that in business. Maybe it feels like God stopped your progress in business. It's because you can't handle money right yet. And I'm going to stop your business growth so that your money can get right and the way you view it can get right. So when I bring blessing, you don't go to jail. (laughs) Seriously. And the IRS is not knocking on your door three years from now. Why? I'm preparing you everything I've told you. Oh, hallelujah. Shoo! I'm preparing you for everything I've told you. Maybe I'll conclude with this. We'll just flip my phone. Just obey my instruction today. Maybe that's a good way to conclude my time with you this evening. What is God instructing you to do today? I wanted to get out of that debt. But God said, I have an instruction for you now. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just, as we conclude tonight, I'm I'm, going to hand this over to Jimmy. It's a little different than when I came last time. That's good. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord, though. If God's touching you, you don't have to, but I just want us to... As an act of surrender, I want us to lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, I join and I say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. (laughs) Oh, I feel like shouting that the best days of the Northgate are ahead of them, Lord. I feel like shouting that even though they may step into unknown times and unknown seasons, God, you're moving the angel of the Lord from in front to behind because you've got their back. I thank you, Lord, for the people in this room tonight, visiting ministers, people, people you love, Lord. You love your people. Man, you love your people. And so, Lord, I bless them tonight with courage. Courage to go forward. Courage to go forward. Oh, hallelujah. I said courage to go forward. Courage to go forward. Courage to go forward. And this doesn't mean geographically, but it may. And courage to leave home. Courage to leave what they know. And step into a new thing. A new place. A new time. surrounded by it it's what I told all of you last night when we didn't do or last week when we didn't do a live stream he's calling us to a new age and it does not matter what we're surrounded in we are going to say yes 
to what he has for us as, as a people. For those of you that were here last week, that's what we talked about. I'm going to say yes to what he has for us. And so this is what I love about my brother. He gets in the truck. I'm excited to begin to tell him some things. And he immediately stops me and says, listen, I don't want to hear anything until after church Sunday night. So I can walk in full prophetic integrity. For those of you that were with us at City Point, I have not got to talk to Miss Teresa yet. But when she ends the service at City Point and looks at me and says, the angel of the Lord is coming with three instructions. She has no idea that I received the first instruction in a dream in a sealed envelope from the Lord, from Zion. And it popped up like a hologram. Exactly what you said. So what do we do? Exactly what we announced last week and we initiated this week. We move forward into the home groups. We are not bound or attached to anything of the religious system of the old age. Which is all preparation that we're not attached to this building. Even though our promise is this building. We're not attached to this building. We're attached to a yes from the Lord that will bring all of the promises. And what is the Lord after? What is He after in these small groups so that we can grow our church? No, not one it so that you would grow whole in the love of the Lord. Perfect. Perfect. I would say go back and listen to this as we, if you would look at the last notes in my journal, the last word is transition. Transition to transfigure is what the Lord told me. We are on this journey right now. And to the world, he started saying chess pieces. I told you guys last week, all the chess pieces are being moved. When a king hits a checkmate, he sometimes has to sacrifice in order to win. To the world, to this city, to this county, to this region, they will look like we're losing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Lord will come from behind and march us forward into everything that I believe is in this box right here. So I will raise my staff as the shepherd of this house, as the father of this house. And it doesn't have to make sense to anybody in this room. The two yeses I need in my life is that woman right there and my apostle. And I say yes to that. And we are trusting that. Because both of those, both her and Pops, will say, what is the word of the Lord to you? And all they will do is confirm the word of the Lord. And we'll move forward as a family into the greatest days of history. And all of it will be for our children's children's children, what I told you last week. When I cast vision in this house last week, I said, trust me that we can build an oak tree that our kids, kids, kids can play under the shade. And we're not going to do it like the religious system of the world. We're going to do it yes to the word. And that's not a knock on anybody. What, what you're called to do, you do. 
but we're going to say yes to this family. And so I, I, the reports I heard from the home groups Tuesday just lets me know even more than this word confirms. Can't wait till we leave tonight and I get to tell you every, I finally, I wasn't a leaker. Even at times today, he was digging. I said, stop digging, Bryn. Stop digging. <laughs> he didn't know he was digging. He didn't know he was digging. He's got integrity. I said, man, you're digging into things that I just, I gotta, you got to stop right now. And he said, okay, okay, so we'll talk about it tonight. But listen, this word was for the house, but also this word is for you. Because he's correct. I told you guys last week, there's too much Portage County still in all of us. And I know one of the things that the Lord wants to do in these home groups is get us to the place where we open ourselves up that if there's anything in me he don't want, take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. I'm not from Portage County. I'm not from Cleveland. I'm not from Ohio. I am from the kingdom and the king. I am from the kingdom of God. And that is what is being reformed in the earth. And that's what's being reformed in all of you. So, man, did we enjoy our time with Uncle Bryn? Awesome. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.